You're listening to the Palmetto Report. I'm Shante Brown alongside our co-host Nathaniel Frederick. Thank you for joining us today. For years, African-American females have been rejected from several occupations or suspended from school because of their natural hair and the styling. Black females' natural hair is considered a distraction and unprofessional conduct. Several stories and cases have been brought to the public eye that hair discrimination does exist in a working and educational environment. Governor Gavin Norman signed a bill into law for California to be the first state to ban natural hair discrimination. Tennessee, New Jersey, Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, and other states proposed legislation to ban hair discrimination as well. Joining us today is Jennifer Dixon McKnight, an assistant professor at Winthrop University. Dr. Dixon McKnight teaches African American history and United States history. Her main focus of research is the Charleston Hospital strike of 1969 and the number of African American working class women of the movement. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. McKnight. Thank How you are for you? having me. Welcome. So, my first question is what is considered natural hair? So my interpretation or my definition of natural hair is um, hair that has not been altered. It's op- it operates in its natural state in the sense that it hasn't had any chemical sort of um, uh, application. Um, and you hear some people that think or that believe that if they haven't gotten a full-on relaxer and they maybe do a texturizer, that they're mm-hmm. still in the realm of natural hair. But when we think about what natural is just by definition – Natural is unaltered. And so I would say that natural hair is just hair that has not had any sort of chemical um, altering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is the historical context of black women and their hair in the mainstream media? So in order to understand, and, it, and it's complicated, but I think for the purpose of this conversation, it would probably be easier if we went We have to go back as far as the continent of Africa to think about how um, African, the ancestors of African-Americans wore their hair Mm -hmm. in terms of different styling, the braids, the cornrows, um, the the ponytails, the, they don't call them ponytails, but the different ways that their natural hair is styled. And in many cases, in many cultures, many tribes, the um, styling of the hair is symbolic. Um, whether it be religious, whether it be um, your status in the community, um, various ways in which your hair is expression. So if we fast forward to the era of slavery um, and what African-Americans are experiencing, particularly African-American women in regards to their hair, um, you'll find that on many plantations, the women are wearing their hair covered. Hmm. They're wearing their hair covered. A part of it is from just from, for practical purposes. If they're working in the fields, right, having their hair out is impractical. Um, mm-hmm. Working in the kitchen, having their hair out is impractical and, and unsanitary, right? Um, when you think about, uh, you know, even working with uh, within the household in terms of cleaning and things of that sort, wearing their hair covered is more practical. But there are some plantations or some plantation owners that require their slaves to wear their hair covered. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, when we think about the way in which African-American women um, are trained from the very beginning in terms of their arrival here in this country to think about themselves, um, to think about their beauty, um, you know, the hair is just a, a piece of that sort of bigger picture. 
um, when you think about African women who are compared to European women, right, in terms of mm-hmm. the way they look. Yeah. European women, the ideal of beauty is fair skin, um, fine hair. Um, in some cases or from depending on what the culture, lighter eyes, um, more keen features, so thinner noses, thinner lips, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sort of thinner cheekbones and things of that nature, finer features. Um, where African women traditionally have had broader noses, thicker lips, their hair is more coarse. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, their, their cheekbones are more pronounced. The skin obviously is, is darker. And so whenever African-American women or, or slaves are arriving or Africans are arriving in this country, how they see themselves and how they're viewed by the world around them. Um, even if you take it back to, you know, prior to uh, transatlantic slavery, you're talking about European nations looking at the continent of Africa as a dark continent mm-hmm. and its people as dark people. And this sort of um, connection between dark and inferior. And so your darkness, your complexion, your dark skin, your dark hair, all those things link you to inferiority. And so Africans, when they are arriving, then African-Americans are making connections psychologically between how their skin, their hair, their culture, all of that is viewed as inferior to um, their white counterparts. And how does that play out in the workplace? So when we think about in current context, We think about a nation that doesn't see black people, and I would argue even till today, that don't see black people as equal, um, that in a number of circles don't see black people as worthy, and still don't understand sort of all of the variations, um, all of the different textures, all of the different... um, hues, looks that are African-American. Because when we think about what African-American is, we span the spectrum in terms of color. We span the spectrum in terms of um, hair texture. Um, And so I think what we see is a lack of knowledge, a level of ignorance, Um, particularly when you think about things like what happened, what was it, last year with the young man who had to have his hair cut yeah. The wrestler, I believe he mm-hmm. was. He was, a wrestler. he was wearing locks and they had him cut his hair um, mm-hmm. in order for him to compete. Um, you know, that is outrageous and ridiculous. But part of that is a lack of understanding that black people wearing locks goes all the way back to the continent of Africa, right? African yeah. locks, dreadlocks, you know, various iterations of, of that hairstyle. That's something that's historically a part of the African American tradition. And so. It isn't. It's something that we see more as a fad now, but it very much has roots in in African culture. And so when you think about the workplace, if you have sort of this pervasive lack of knowledge where people don't understand the various ways in which African-Americans wear their hair and what it means for them culturally, um, then you have people who are able to dismiss various styles and just assume that it's trendy or just assume that it's a fad or just assume that it's something that can be sort of cast aside, um, which typically for African-Americans is not the case. There is a strong connection for African-Americans when it comes to them and their hair. So what do you consider like the proper hairstyle for black females when it comes to like the workplace or interviews? That's complicated. (laughs) So 
as a as a black woman who wears her own hair natural, mm-hmm. who believes in the freedom of expression within a culture, mm-hmm. I would say she should be free to wear her hair however she feels. Yeah. In in a workplace. Yeah. What she deems appropriate for her hair should be acceptable. And I say that thinking about sort of this um the reality that for when white women wear their hair color in like purples and blues and pinks mm-hmm. is trendy. Yeah. When black women do it, it's considered ghetto. And mm-hmm. so therein lies the problem. Now, as someone who has had to learn how to navigate the professional world as someone that wears their hair natural, as a black woman who knows that my the way that I look is just as important as what comes out of my mouth, maybe even more so. Um, I recognize that there is a community, there is a, a, a in society we have to be cognizant of how we present ourselves more so I think than a lot of other communities. That's frustrating, but I think that's the reality, particularly in corporate America. Um, so I think that you know, and I I have a number of students who are business majors who grapple with this same struggle, who wear their hair natural, but will put on a wig for interviews in order to present themselves in a certain way. And I think that, you know, there's a level of frustration with that having to be the case, but also we have to also have a sense of being able to adjust in order to fit into certain spaces until we can get in, I, I would argue, in order to create change from the inside. We can't get to the, ta- if we can't get to the table, we can't be a part of the work that makes that makes the wheel continue to turn and to cause change in these in these areas. You're listening to Palmetto Report. I'm Shante Brown alongside our co-host Nathaniel Frederick, and we're speaking with Dr. Dixon McKnight about criticism black women face about their natural hair in the workplace. And so I had another question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say to someone who says, well, if you're applying for a job, you have to adhere to the stipulations of that job? Mm-hmm. In terms of hair and uh, how you present yourself mm-hmm. at that particular mm-hmm. workplace, I think that um, this is one of those moments where we have to decide sort of how you're going to insert yourself into various situations. Now, we're a military family, so my husband um, and the and the women that he works with, black women included. And white women, white men, there are very specific regulations for how they have to show up. Um, And that's across the board. Now, there has been some fallout because there have been pushback with with the kind of specific regulations that have been placed on African-American women in terms of their hair in the military. Um, There was some, if I'm not mistaken, there was some regulations in terms of them not being able to wear braids. And there were some other issues that kind of came down. Um, which I think since then they've made changes to those regulations. But I think when you are going into a specific job, you need to be aware of what the sort of expectations are for that environment. Um, And say, for instance, if you work in a factory that has hazardous chemicals or flammable materials or what have you, it might be a part of their regulations that you can't wear synthetic hair. Because you, it could be a hazard. It could be a danger. Right. So in situations like that, you have to make decisions about what's more important. Um, but I also think that when it comes down to a discussion about 
you know, is it appropriate to wear braids or should a woman feel compelled to to relax her hair just to fit a certain idea? I think that's a different sort of conversation. Um, and so should I feel compelled to wear my hair relaxed just because it fits a certain idea of beauty? Or if this company thinks that my hair in its natural state is inappropriate, if it's well kept, if it's clean, um, then that's that's problematic for me. Right. And I think it's also important to note that this doesn't just affect black women. Yes. It affects black men yes, as yes. well. Yes. Um, I remember uh, when I was even in college, I had pondered the, uh, the notion of growing my hair mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. And I had an African-American professor tell me, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't grow your hair out. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he thought it would affect mm-hmm. my ability to get mm-hmm. a job. Mm-hmm. I have a student um, It was in my office last week, wears his hair really long, African-American male, um, who is um, looking at going into HR. And he had someone tell him, one of, one of, someone here tell him, you're going to have to rethink that hairstyle. You're going to have to go ahead and cut that because not, you're not going to be able to go into the workplace with your hair that long. Um, and he asked me about it and it was a, it was a complicated, I had a difficult time answering that. Um, there will be spaces that will be open to him wearing his hair that long, but there'll be some that won't. And so he'll have to make a decision for himself personally in terms of how he wants to move forward with that. What's more important. Um, but I think the frustration is the fact that as African-Americans, we have to even make the decision. You have to choose sort of your personal expression that, you know, is is there's nothing wrong with the hair in its natural state. It's clean. It's well kept. It's, you know, it's neat. So what exactly is the issue is is part of the the problem. Um, Why do we have to continue to even have this? Why is it even a conversation we're having to have? Yeah. Dr. Dixon McKnight, thank you for joining us today. Tune in for the next show today. I'm your host, Shante Brown. You're listening to the Palmetto Report.